Welcome to Curmudgeon's Corner for Saturday, August 21st, 2021. I'm Sam Minter and Yvonne Bo is here again. Hello, Yvonne. Hello. Did I miss anything? I missed the time. It's it's just before 2.30 UTC. Did I say it was Curmudgeon's Corner? I'm so confused. You said it was Curmudgeon's Corner. Did, did I say our names? You said our names. Yes. Did I get our names correct? Yes. Oh, fuck, I don't know now. <laughs> really? I mean, I'm getting old at this shit. I mean, I, it's just kind of like, I don't know. Now, of course, you know, the listeners are going to be like, wait, what? They're all wrong. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Did I get the year right? I get the year confused a lot. You know? Five, who knows? Like, it's, is it 1996? I don't know. Man, oh, Jesus Christ, 1996, <laughs> for God's sakes. <laughs> That's a, that's a, that's a long time ago. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, our agenda today, we're going to have our usual, but first segment and our two main topics this week. I don't know that, you know, they almost couldn't be anything else. Uh, Afghanistan and the pandemic. I mean, uh, you know, there were big events in Afghanistan this week. And of course the pandemic keeps rolling along and things keep happening. So that's that. Uh, but first... Let's talk about fun stuff. What do you have this week, Yvonne? Uh, what do we have this week? Uh, well, I have my super prep bowel prep kit on my on my desk. Oh, exciting! Uh, for uh, a colonoscopy, I presume. Yes. Is that not fun? I I don't think many people would describe it as fun. I mean, I I I don't expect it to be fun. I, I, I had I had one a few years back. There there was a little issue I had, and the doctor was like, let's just get you checked out just in case it's something serious. It wasn't anything serious. They didn't find anything of note. I didn't have colon cancer or anything. Uh, you know, so they basically ruled out anything serious. Um, and it went away by itself in a, a few days. Um, but what I found, like my experience, like the prep was the worst part of it. Cause yeah, you have to like drink this stuff to like completely yep. empty yourself out, right? Basically, and and yes. you're supposed to like it's like and then you're supposed to be in this liquid diet, basically. It's it like says, this uh, two gallon tub of stuff that doesn't taste particularly good that you well, have to it's drink in a in box the here, and I'm supposed to dilute it. I don't even know what the hell. I haven't even tried to open it. I just... Yeah, yeah. It, 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 that, that I found that part not fun. The actual thing, I didn't mind because, like, they completely drugged me up. Like, they didn't put me to sleep, but I was so stoned out of my mind, I didn't care about anything. I remember that they positioned the monitor so I couldn't quite see it, and I asked them to turn it so I could see the monitor and see what they were seeing while they did the the thing. And uh, it was, uh, I was—I remember, yeah, thinking that it was cool, and then not really remembering much else because it was all very fuzzy and hazy. Because, yeah, I was completely you were drugged up, uh, you know, right? Yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah, completely and totally drugged up on whatever it was they gave me, and yeah, that was that was fun. But so you're 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 gonna do this? It sounds fun. Yeah, because you're because you're fifty, 
and they recommend yes, you do is, this. Like, that is the reason why I'm doing this. And because, they, yes, and, and, and I, th- I forget. Is it supposed to be annual every other year? Whatever. You're supposed to start doing it regularly once you turn fifty. It's regularly now. I don't know. I don't know about annual, but but I, it, it's supposed to happen with more regularity now. Yes. Yeah, and like the only reason I had it before I turned fifty, I turned fifty in a few weeks. Uh, be, but the only reason I had it before is because like I had some symptoms, and they were like, "Yeah, let's just check you out." But and that, that was like, that was years ago. Now I forget exactly what. Yay! You were yeah, like, I'm yay! Like, exactly. I, what else could I possibly wish for than to do this? You know, medical test that involves what a colonoscopy involves. I wonder. You know, you you ever wonder who the hell came up with this? I mean. It's, I gotta think, you know, obviously people had gastrointestinal problems, pain or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But who the hell came up with this whole contraption with the thing, with the camera? Because it's been around for a while. Yeah. This isn't just like, yeah, I mean, it is a procedure that's been around for a long time, so it's not new, but... Yeah, I mean, com- in in comparison, I mean, it hasn't been around like four hundred years or something. But yeah, it's right, it's, right, it's, right, it's right, been it's, a, it's, it's, it's been it's been a while. I mean, and, and look, you, you gotta. I I mean, just in terms of medical tests and devices, I mean, fundamentally, if if you want to examine something, you have to figure out a way to see it. And right, this is a lot less than like if they actually had to cut you open. Right. Right. You know, and yeah, I, 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 I like the not cutting me open thing. Yeah. is a good thing. I, I'm all for not being cut open. So d- any other exciting medical tests to talk about? <laughs> any other exciting? T- I mean, other, you know, we, we got sick in the house, like three of us in sequence. I mean, my wife got, you know, it, it got told it's not COVID. We got a right. norovirus. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah, uh, you know, so, but, but we had that. I, I was sick the last couple of days. Feeling better? Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. I mean, uh, all, all, I mean, mostly it was just some gastrointestinal, like, uh, discomfort and, and, and some pain and just some tiredness. That was about it, basically. Um, so, but, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. The, I, oh, so the car line thing that I reported this week, it's been a lot shorter. Uh, oh, the, 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 the thing that yeah. you talked about last week about having to wait a long time in line at school. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's uh, that's uh, that's that's got improving. That's working. So it was just people who had forgotten how to do it, basically. Yeah, and they also had put certain people in different roles. And there's one thing that I don't understand. Almost every school year when we start, we don't get these. We always get these hanging tags that we're supposed to put in the car to identify who we are as we're coming in like late we don't get them at the start of the school year so we got them and then they put this person that was the best one at like calling out who's coming in and whatever to the person that i've always seen it do it before but they had put somebody else to do it and they weren't working out well they put this other person back in charge of it and now it's working okay so you you did mention that your family got COVID tests though. So I'll mention that my wife yeah. also got. Uh, she was not feeling well for an extended length of time, so uh, she sent me to the the drugstore to get uh, one of these uh, over the counter. The- yeah, ones, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it, it's not just on the shelf. You do have to ask someone for it. Uh, but you know, it's it's just like you know, if you were getting 
you know, anything from behind. You just ask the person from they give the it farm- to. You. Yeah, from the pharmacist. Yeah, yeah, or even I actually got it from the person at the front counter. Like it didn't even have oh, to okay. be the pharmacist. Right. They just didn't have them like out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. they just didn't have. Not them like out. a razor blades right now happens a lot with that. Yeah. So anyway, but it was uh, the the kit you just get and you do it yourself at home and it takes yeah you know, it takes like 15, 20 minutes to get the results and she was negative too. Like it was not COVID, but she she's been feeling under the weather for a while and you know I don't know there. I, I, well, just double checking. So you got the test. And? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, Hey, other things are still going around. It's not just COVID. Well, that's the thing. Other things are, are going around. And actually the fact that we're socializing more means that those other things are more bound to be, to be, to, to, for us to get them because we spent the period of time, you know, people were talking about how the flu was almost gone. Yep. There some people talking about how they barely had gotten a cold in like forever mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. And well, you know, look, the more we're out now, those things that are more easily just spread or spread in other ways because sometimes they're spread through food and other ways and whatever, you know, and so, yeah, you know, it's so, so that, that's, that's happening. So the answer is everybody should go back to being locked in their house and never leaving. Oh, God. I mean, forget COVID. Why do we want colds? Come on. Stay stay inside. Never talk to another person again in person ever. Uh, We don't need that shit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well. Ah, so, uh, let me see. So, so we had that, we had the test, we got the, uh, the sick, we, we, we got the car line. So here's the one thing to also to report about, uh, the restart of the car line. Yeah. So, um, I, when I got this new plug-in hybrid, I didn't get it at a time. Mono was still homeschooling. So I hadn't really gone through this cycle now of being able to like normally go and like drop them off and pick them up using the car okay all right okay um and one of the reasons why i got the car is because i knew that the range that my car had made it that on a normal cycle pre-covid uh almost i would say that on 80 percent of the days everything that i would do would be on all electric okay and that was one reason why with the 20 plus mile range that were happening. So now that's been happening more frequently. And my my miles per gallon now average is like soared to like, oh, my God, I'm like right now, I basically I mean, I've driven a thousand miles and I've filled up with gas once. Nice. OK, yeah. Exactly. I've driven a thousand miles and I've filled up with gas once. And I have right now over three-fourths of a tank left. And that fill-up was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, I it's just, you know, it, it, it's... Whereas it, I, a, a normal, like my my Subaru, like when I was doing lots of highway driving, would typically yeah. get approximately 400 miles on a tank. Now that I'm doing like very much less driving and it's mostly very short local stoplights kind of stuff. I'm getting less than that, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so that, yeah, you're, you're getting a lot more. Oh yeah. I'm getting the average right now is somewhere in the 70 MPG range right now. Nice. Something like that. Yeah. 
So, so that's very good. I mean, I'm, I'm like really happy. I mean, it's the reason why I got it. I figured out, you know, one of the things is that there was an article like recently talking about the scourges of idling, for example. Right. And look, you go, one of the things is that's why I was like, you know, I thought it was, I mean, one of the things that I hated about the car line taking so long is that, look, so many people are idling there with their motors running. It's just, Jesus Christ, you want to talk about one of the worst things for the damn environment, which is going to nuts. Head in a handbasket. There was rain in Greenland up in where it's not supposed to be raining. There's a hurricane headed for Boston <laughs> in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, so yeah, so so you know, so I'm I'm trying to make sure that we're doing our part, I guess. <sighs> yeah. So I, I think that the, considering that my, my old car doing this on a regular basis would average only like about 20 miles per gallon. That's a considerable improvement there. Yes. Yeah. So we went in our house from two cars that really combined averaged about 20 miles per gallon before to a combined miles per gallon right now between the two of them of around 60. Mm-hmm. So. So, uh, and, I, so, uh, but you're still, you're still in the hybrid world though, because you the range stuff and the charging situation is still such that you were not comfortable with a full electric, right? Oh, I mean, fucking charging sucks around here. I, I see people. We're we I've had that conversation with with other people, including the people that have full battery EVs, like right now. And honestly, I have to do uh, in order to get a full battery EV, I have to set up a more robust charging solution to where I have right now. the The Volvo, because the small battery, I can charge it on one ten. But I would have I have to do a rewire there to put it in the and, and actually it may be advantageous to even do it now to to plug it into to two twenty uh, to get the faster charging uh, two hundred twenty volts there. But I, I I need to set up here in our condo uh, also some BEV charging stations. We we need to set up some some high speed charging stations uh, at some point. Otherwise, it's going to be difficult for people to be able to to have the vehicles. So uh, I I got to figure something out about that. So, yeah. So that's uh, so that's my thing. Like right now, basically. I mean, I don't know. Fun stuff. I mean, I don't know. We're, we're uh, do fun. I mean, I nothing. Like right now, you know, Done nothing, I, I'm, I'm nothing looking, at no, all. No, I'm looking at you know. We we've been like as as this 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 pandemic has been surging. We've been like been more cautious about doing anything. Like right now. Mm-hmm. So you know, well. Not that we haven't done anything, but, you know, we're just, you know, trying to just be a little bit less out there. Understood. Well, it, it, it's it's my turn now anyway. Yeah. So, I've been trying to think if I had anything, like, really new or different that's specifically happened this week, and I can't think of anything, so I was going to do a book. Okay, book. All right, I like this. Okay. Okay, so the book that I read this time was another one that I read with Alex. It was a it was a school assignment for him, and we re- we just read it together. It was The Call of the Wild from 1903 by Jack London. Okay? Do you know do you know uh-huh. this book, Yvonne? No, I do not. Now, I remember having read 
other things by Jack London when I was in school, but I don't think I'd read this one. Maybe I had. This was also been made. I don't remember about Jack London. Do I be honest? I don't don't recall. So what he's known for, he's got like several stories that are like about like life in the Arctic or in during the gold rush. Uh, His his most here's from his Wikipedia page. Um, American novelist, uh, 1876 to 1916, um, pioneer of commercial fiction, um, one of the first American authors to become an international celebrity and earn a fortune from writing. Uh, he was an inner, he was an innovator in the genre that would later become known as science fiction. I didn't know that because the ones he that he's known for, I didn't really think of as science fiction. So like, um, his most famous works include the call of the wild, which is the one I'm going to talk about today and white fang, okay. which are both set in the Klondike gold rush. Okay. Uh, and then there was a chocolate gold rush. Yes. It's all about Klondike bars or ice cream. Wait, no, it's a, now you, now you're making me want a Klondike bar. (laughs) You know, I didn't before, but now the, those are pretty good. They are. I want one now. Maybe two, maybe three. Those are pretty good. Um, Those little like ice cream sandwich, you know, chocolate bars are fantastic. (laughs) It's one of the best inventions ever made. Anyway, um, the Klondike Gold Rush uh, was in the late 1890s. You know, they found gold. A whole bunch of people went trying to make their fortunes by, you know, panning for gold and stuff like that. Um, so so okay. his most famous books are set there. Uh, Call of the Wild is one of those. Um and, uh, it, 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 you know, obviously this is a school assignment. It's considered a classic. It's one of the things that is off, you know, kids often have to read in school. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, he, he read it in fifth grade while well, we read it together for fifth grade. Um, and, uh, you know, basically the whole, the interesting part of this book, and I think a couple of Jack London's things, um, is it was, it's told from the point of view of a dog. Okay. Okay. So like the the and this is one of the reasons it's been made into a movie a couple times as well, probably more than twice. Um the most the most recent one was um when it was just like last year or something actually. Um yeah, 2020. The last version uh was uh the last version of Call of the Wild that was made into a film was 2020 uh starring Harrison Ford. Not as the dog. Okay. Harrison Ford did not, not play the dog. dog. Harrison Ford. That would have been yeah, interesting. Harrison Ford pay, played an actual person that the dog interacted with. But, um, but, but yeah. I'm having trouble hearing you. Oh, Siri really wants to get into the conversation. Yeah. Siri's been doing that a lot more for me lately. I don't know why. Any, any, <laughs> it's happened here yeah, too. I know. Anyway, um, the thing about this dog is he was, he was a pet dog when he was young. And actually living like, you know, in, in a, a rich person's estate and, you know, getting pampered and all this kind of stuff. And then he was stolen. And, uh, and, and, tr- you know, there were a few little things along the way, but he ends up in the Arctic as a sled dog. 
Okay. Okay. And in the you know in the meantime, there's like you know he goes through a sequence of people that you know break him so that he will behave and do what they want as a sled dog, and then um and then he becomes a good sled dog and you know goes through you know again a variety of different owners and blah blah blah, and you know let me ask before I go any further. Is it okay to give spoilers for a book published in 1903? I, I, in my opinion, yes. Okay, spoiler alert. Massive spoiler alert. If at this point you don't understand that we're giving away the plot points of something written over a hundred years ago, then... You have had 118 years to read this book. <laughs> to catch up on this damn thing. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so so yeah, and he eventually, like, the reason they call it the Call of the Wild is that he eventually discovers that he can... He, he, he escapes the human world and goes and joins a wolf pack essentially and along the way like he um his his last master who he really loved it was the only one of the long sequence that he actually like really had a connection with and loved like was killed when he he went away on one of his trips to go sort of visit the wolves and his master was killed while he was gone and he took revenge on all of the people who killed his his master, and then he permanently went off into the wild, and that that was the story. Okay. Um. And so, what do you give it? You know, I'll give it a thumbs up. It was actually interesting. It was a is a it, it, you know it it kept you wondering about the next page and how it was going to go and blah blah blah. There are a few bits that are disturbing. Like there's a a bit near the beginning I missed I mentioned right after they kidnapped they sort of broke him and basically that involved like seriously abusing this dog and a whole bunch of other dogs to sort of beat them into submission and uh you know there were there there are various places where you know he has you know where he's taking control and he, you know, he'll kill, a, he kills another dog at one point. And obviously at the end, I mentioned he took revenge on the people who killed his master and he, he killed a bunch of people there. So it's not exactly like super pleasant, but you know, the main character dog doesn't die, which is a plus. Some of these, some of these short stories about dogs end up with the, the dog dying or whatever. And it's like, really, you know, but this one does not, you know, he lives and he goes off into the wild. You, you do at the end, you know, you, you're sort of like, if he'd only come back earlier, he could have saved the guy and they could have lived happily ever after or whatever. But no, no, it's not quite that kind of story. Um, but uh yeah it was um it was good it was fine it was a uh i mean i, I you don't sound enthusiastic which is why i was like when i asked that you can give it a thumbs well, up well yeah, you know you're, look you're... it's it's not it's definitely not a thumbs down normally for the thumbs sideways i'm sort of completely apathetic i wasn't apathetic this was worth okay this was worth reading was it like the best thing in the universe and i'm like oh my god i have to read it again 
No, but very few things are like that for me. But, you know, I did not regret reading it. It was a good story. It was, you know, and, um, yeah, it's, it's fine. Like, um, yeah, there you go again. I, it was fine. You know, you're right. It's not, it's exactly. not like the, the best, it, 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 I'm not like glowingly enthusiastic about it, but I do put it above the, the sort of sideways where I'm like, eh, whatever, you know, it's better than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a good book. It was worth reading. I can, I can see why this is a book that they have kids read. Like it's not, it's okay. not, it's not overly complicated. It's pretty short. Uh, it, it looks like it's just over 200 pages. So it's not like one of these big thousand page novels or whatever. And, uh, it's a pretty quick read. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's sort of, uh, some universal themes. It's got a dog as a main character and how can you not be sympathetic with a dog, you know? And, um, uh, yeah, but you, you do, it, it does have the sort of like there things keep happening that you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're making, you know, like the fact that he gets kidnapped from his loving family and never sees them again. <laughs> you know, that's how the damn thing starts. But at the same time, you know, half of the Disney movies in the universe start with the parents getting killed. Oh yeah, you know that's one of the things that I that I notice. My, my wife keeps some. Oh my god, let's no show, let's not show this violent movie to our son. Every damn Disney movie kills somebody. Yeah, and it's usually the main character's parents. Yes, <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> at, at, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, Lion King. They killed the a king. Yes. Okay, you know, Bambi. He's dead. Uh, uh, in Frozen, the parents they both die. The ship sinks. Okay, dead. Okay. Uh, uh, Tarzan, the same thing. The parents annihilated, boom, dead. I mean, it's, it's a recurring theme. Yeah. It's like, it's a recurring theme. Yeah. It, it's enough so that people make fun of Disney for it. Like, it, it's like, you cannot have a Disney movie where the main character's parents are happy and healthy. No, it's just not allowed. <laughs> oh, they got there. They need to be dead. Apparently. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, Call of the Wild, thumbs up. It was it was fun to read. It was fun to read with Alex as well. And um yeah, so that that that's all I have to say about that. Okay. So well and, and as I've been doing the last couple of times you gave it the thumb. I gave it the thumb. Uh, I will as I've been doing the last couple of times, I will give a preview of the what the next one I'm going to review is when we get to it. It will be another book. And it will be, yeah, I, I don't want to preview my thoughts about it because I've been looking forward to talking but. about this one for a long time. Um, but it's Grimus, which is a book by Salman Rushdie from 1975. It was his first novel. So like before the ones that made him famous, uh, before the ones that got his death threats and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's Salman Rushdie's first move, first movie. It's Salman Rushdie's first book book, or at least first novel Grimus. And so next time I talk about media, it will be that one. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Okay. And, uh, and I, that, I, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. So, I'm ready to take a break and come back and talk about uh, Afghanistan. Okay, let's talk about 
Afghanistan. Okay. Uh, yeah. Back after this. Here we go. You're supposed to say do, do, do. Do, do, do. Alex Amzala. Alex Amzala is awesome. Its videos are fun. And today, once again, we have one of our most loyal subscribers here to tell you how awesome Alex Emsula is. I'd say on a rate from 1 to 10, Alex Emsula is awesome at, I don't know, 37, 82. He's pretty radical. His videos are phenomenal. They're full of creativity. And they're, and they're so funny and exciting to watch. Wow, what happened to your voice then, Amy? Was that dad pretending to be you because the audio was distorted when it really wasn't because I told him to? Yes! Good job on remembering, dad. Do, do, do! Okay, we are back. Um, now, I I added a little intro to our show last week, one of these Sam from the Future things, mentioning that, you know, although we did talk about Afghanistan last week, uh, we when we were talking about it, we 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 expected Kabul to fall, but we figured we at least a couple weeks. It didn't seem like well, it was... Well, as a matter of fact, I was reading, like, somebody that the, all the calculations that they were doing was based that maybe, you know, there was going to be a peaceful handover in September. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it seemed like, the, you know, some people were saying that, you know, maybe towards the end of the year, like you said, there was a September timeline that was being talked about. But, you know, at the time we recorded last week's show, everybody thought we had at least a week or two, you know. Uh, but it turned out that, like, before I even put out the show. Like, 48 hours later, maybe it was a little bit more than that, but g- close. You know, the um, the the Taliban took over everything. And uh, all opposition just melted away. Um, and so there's been lots and lots of talk about that this week. Um, just in terms of the melting away part, uh, some of the reports are basically that Look, this has been building for a long time. And ever since Donald Trump made his little deal with the Taliban, and it was fairly clear that one way or another, the official government of Afghanistan would be on their own and they probably wouldn't be able to cut it. The Taliban has been going around systematically and making deals with all kinds of people, and which included money, promises of you know, safety, all kinds of things to sort of leaders in the various provincial governments, city governments, et cetera, all over the country, basically saying, hey, when the time comes, just go away. And that's basically what they did. And that's basically what they did. Because they, they, you know, and, and so what we saw was, you know, the Taliban take over with very little bloodshed. I'm not going to say none, yes, but very little, yes. Um, because everybody who might have opposed them, uh, was either bought off or ran away anyway. Um, and so that that's why it was so fast. And, and we forget that you mentioned this. It's a very critical thing. I mean, Trump, who stunned everybody. 
invited the Taliban to Camp David. Yes. To fucking, I mean, which everybody was like, what? You did what? He invited them, gave them, elevated their standing in a way that nobody had ever done, Mm -hmm. and negotiated this deal with them, which left them totally in the driver's seat. And the deal, by the way, just to be clear what it was, was, hey, if you stop messing with Americans, stop attacking Americans in Afghanistan from now until the election, we'll get the hell out afterwards. Right. And and of course, the, uh, Trump was expecting to win. Yes, Trump was expecting to win. And some of what's been said in the last few days is some of the people in his administration have said, look, we didn't plan to actually do that. We, we were saying that, but we weren't going to actually leave. The plan was to leave a residual special forces group of maybe 800 people. We weren't actually going to go but to zero. I, I have zero belief in that, that Trump really believed that because. Yeah. I think this is. tried more I think than once. Is, Listen, yeah, he I, withdrew all the troops from Syria without announcing. Okay. He also went and tried to withdraw the troops again in Afghanistan before the, the inauguration of Biden as well. He yeah. tried to just rush them all out. I, I think this so, is clearly something where his staff might have been thinking about this, but Donald Trump— Definitely had, not Trump. Yeah, Trump from the very beginning, from before he was elected, was talking about getting out of Afghanistan. Yes. It was one of his yes. core pillars. And, you know, like, one way—and he was getting increasingly frustrated by people who worked for him basically— trying to sabotage him actually getting out. Right. And we know as the administration was proceeding, he was left and right getting rid of people who wouldn't do exactly what he told him to. So if, That's he, right. if he had been reelected, I think there's no doubt whatsoever that one way or another, he would have gotten everybody out. Correct. Yeah, that he would have not done have the changed. exact same thing that he did in Syria. Yes. Yeah. Now, now Syria, we still have actually a few hundred people in Syria even now, because he w- he was convinced in the end to leave a few people to guard some oil fields or something like that. Um, right, because that was what the COVID They told him about the oil. Then he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he uh, he absolutely would have gotten out. Um, yes, 100%. They, his sta- I, I, I have zero doubt. His staff would have opposed him, just like I'm sure with Biden, a whole bunch of people were telling him not to. You know, and and Biden was also like, look, it's been 20 years. Right. You know, we're not going to do this forever. And I've, you know, there were a few uh, people um, arguing, we mentioned this last week as well, that look, yeah, being there forever is actually okay. We don't need that many people there. We've had no significant casualties for a couple years. Nobody's been killed in the last year. So we, we, why leave? It's fine. It's just, you know. Well, because let's be clear. Part of the byproduct of that promise that Trump did was that nobody had been killed in the last year. Yes. But what happens if we don't honor it? Yeah, exactly. And so what, what the Biden... Um, counter argument is, look, there are these people saying that we could just do what we've done forever. No, the situation was deteriorating. If we, if we abrogated that agreement, 
and did not leave, of course the Taliban would start attacking again. They'd start moving forward. And in order to actually maintain the situation, we wouldn't have been able to get away with the smaller numbers, the 3,000 or so we had there, yep. we would have had to surge back in there again. And yes, there would have been violence, and yes, there would have been whatever. Yep. And, you know, look, I'm no expert. I don't know for sure, but that seems reasonable to me. Yes. That that would be the case. Like, if you want to be there forever, you have to commit to the possibility that it's not just going to be you sitting there peacefully, it, it's not the same as maintaining troops in Germany, you know, because people have all also made that comparison. Like, hey, we've had we've had troops in Germany and Japan and all kinds of other countries for much longer than we've had people in. Yeah, but these guys are allies. I mean, these countries, for the most part, had significantly high approval ratings of the United States, the general population. Well, right. But it's the, not like the, it's the, not like in Germany, you know, there are terror groups, you know, or other, you know, large factions controlling parts of Germany that were going in and bombing our military bases in Germany on a regular basis. You know, it wasn't the ongoing conflict. Plus, it wasn't the government. It also wasn't the government that was basically so weak that it just had no control over anything. Yeah. And, and, and look, is the, the other thing, just moving on a little bit from that part, um, is even we on this show had talked about in previous weeks, like, why aren't they getting people out earlier? What's, what's the delay in in the evacuations and all of this kind of stuff, because what we've seen in the last week has been utter chaos. Yes. Um, the, the Biden administration has explained this and we can talk about whether or not we think it's valid. Uh, basically they said, look, here's the deal. If we had gone into full out evacuation mode, like say two months ago, It would have caused a panic. It would have caused the government to potentially collapse even faster um, because we we would we would be directly saying we have no belief whatsoever that this government is going to be maintained. I mean, if you're evacuating people like crazy, are you saying that are you signaling that everything will be fine? (laughs) I mean, think about it. it. This is. Oh, everything's fine. So why are you loading plane after plane with people? No, don't worry. You'll be fine. Well, and everything's going to be okay. I guess the question is <laughs> whether it would have been more honest to right up front when, when, when Biden said we'll be out by September in the same breath say, and we fully expect as soon as we're gone, the Taliban will take over. So between now and September, because I don't think that they really the, expected that. Bef- I know, I know, but I, I'm just saying, but before we take the troops out, we'll evacuate everybody and then we'll take the troops out. I think the two things that got screwed up here are first and foremost, they thought they had time. Yes. They thought. Was, absolutely. They thought that they could... It wasn't going to be overnight like this. Right. Yeah, they, they thought they could pull the, pull the troops out, be essentially gone, and then all the people who felt threatened and like they needed to leave, 
They could file, you know, get, you know, the, whatchamacallit, uh, the special whatever the special thing. Visa. They could take right. their time. They could, they could book a commercial flight to wherever their right. destination because was going to be. Because there's not like there's c- commercial service, plenty of it, to Kabul. I saw, you know, Qatar, Turkish, Emirates, they, they all had, like, there's a lot of direct service. Yeah, and so they made the calculation that... You know, there would be a few months, probably, or at least a month, between them pulling out and and things going nuts with the Taliban taking over, and so that they could basically decouple and make it not their problem, you know? Right. Uh, and because, you know, there's been a drumbeat of criticism for months and months now of like, why are you slow walking the process of getting these translators and people out of the country? Like, because they've been making them do all this paperwork and the state department has been really slow processing it. And, you know, they've been really sticklers about like, look, the state department has been slow in processing even passports for Americans right now. Mm. Uh, I mean, right now, Uh, Our State Department, in large part because the Trump administration hobbled them substantially in terms of being able to process documentation. And and let me say that's that that's that's actually that's actually one important point. I just I don't want to like skim past it. The Trump administration, as much as some of them are right now criticizing Biden and saying you got to get everybody out, blah blah blah. um, Apparently. While some people in the Trump administration were saying exactly that, there was a key element of the Trump administration who was basically saying exactly what you said they would last week, Yvonne, of like, we don't want to let any of those fucking people into our country. Exactly. And so, like, anytime the State Department or the Defense Department would try to gear up and say, hey, let's let's set up all the processes so that we can get these people out as fast as we can. The Trump administration was like, yeah, well, I shouldn't say the administration. Certain elements within the Trump administration, like Stephen Miller and other people like that, basically ran interference and stopped those things from happening. Right. Now, Having said that, Biden had seven months, but still, uh, the Trump administration basically was blocking any of those things from working efficiently. And so in the best of scenarios, the Biden administration would be starting from behind to make all of those things work properly. But because of the things we talked about earlier, they thought they had time and, right. you know, they didn't want to start that sense of panic. They did not light a fire under that process. Right. Yeah. And because of that, we've seen the chaos we've seen this week. And, you know, so so we see, like crowds trying to get into the airport we see people like trying to hang on to the outside of planes and falling and dying when the plane takes off uh we we, we, all kinds of nonsense trash some including very tragic i mean that 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 happened to those people was just at the airport i mean just the sheer desperation and then 
Yeah, how you feel as a damn pilot? You know, obviously you get you're like, look, we need to get this plane on the air. You don't think that anybody's going to be holding on like that on the outside of the fucking plane? Yeah, you can't see it from the cockpit. You got no idea. Yeah, and apparently there <sighs> there were at least they they said that the, there's video of two people falling from the plane, one of whom has now been identified. Yeah. Um, and then there were also yeah. human remains found in the wheel well when the plane landed. Oh, oh, fuck. You know, so... Yeah. And, and, and frankly, I don't know that, like... I, I, I... You know... Who knows the logistics of it? I mean, because I could imagine somebody thinking that the plane would stop and then not realizing that they they really needed to jump off until way too late, you know? Well, I don't think... I don't, well, I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And I, I don't think that they realize that, you know, if, if you're at, in the cockpit of an aircraft like that, you have no idea. You don't have the visibility to down there. You just don't. And I could imagine being like on the thing thinking, okay, I'll get off at the right time. And then suddenly the thing's going like 50 miles an hour and you're like, shit, I can't jump off now. And then like, and then you're at 10,000 feet. Yeah. Uh, well, but yeah, so that, that was a mess. Uh, and then we've also got, uh, you know, what, one interesting portion of it is that, you know, they did surge troops into there. We've now got more people. We've got like 6,000 people at that damn airport now, which is double the amount of people we had in the whole country like a month ago. Okay. So draw, drawing down, uh, you know, yeah, I know it's, yeah, temporary. we're doing a great job. Yeah. But, um, you know, so the U.S. controls the airport and controls a perimeter around the airport, but the Taliban is surrounding that. And so, like, if people want to get to the airport to try to leave, they have to go through a whole bunch of Taliban checkports, checkports, a whole bunch of Taliban checkpoints, checkports, yes, a whole bunch of ports. What the hell is wrong? Where are you coming up with this vocabulary? They have to go through a whole bunch of Taliban checkpoints. Okay. Um, and then they have to convince the Americans to let them in with the right, right. documentation or whatever. And so it, it, it's a mess. And the Taliban, you know, officially is saying, like, you know, we're we're not impeding people. We're not stopping people. But there have been multiple reports where they have been. Uh, yeah. So well, I heard today, I, I saw one report that was saying that U.S. military helicopters had been going to pick up people and bring them to the airport. Yes, that is brand instance. new today. Like a few hours before yes. we recorded uh, this podcast, it started to be reported. Uh, apparently, it's been going on a little bit before that, but it was kept on the down low. Now it's open. The and it's not just the U.S. There are a few other European countries, countries. who are doing similar things, uh, sometimes right. with helicopters, sometimes just with buses or whatever. Like, they're going to pick up people and then coming back in with, you know, hey, we're the Germans. You're letting us through. And the Taliban are letting them through or whatever, right? Right. Um, and, right. But the U.S. has been sending out helicopters to designated pickup spots. So far, as far as we've heard, only around Kabul. But um, – I wouldn't be surprised to start hearing they're doing this in a few other cities as well um, and and bringing people back to the airport that way. And so the process has been ramping up. It seemed to be the first 24 hours were utter and total chaos. It seemed 
it seems like it's getting calmer and more regular now. We shall see. Like, a lot of this depends on what the Taliban does, right? I mean, fundamentally, all of this, if the Taliban decides that, you know, they're not letting anybody in anymore, then the U.S. and the other NATO countries are going to decide, have to decide you know, how violent they want to be to reverse that. Like, are they going to actually try to take over Kabul again in order to do this or what, you know, and they have said, we are not going to let them interfere with the mission. And so far it looks like the Taliban for the most part is not, you know, a few incidents here and there, but for the most part, they're letting this happen. And, you know, also they've been going on this charm offensive where they've been having press conferences and all this kind of stuff saying, look, like, you know, we're not your father's Taliban, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going, hey, maybe I, I hope so. I hope. Yeah. I mean, now I've heard a lot of people say, look, this is just a PR thing because they are behaving themselves in Kabul, where a lot of reporters are still present, but they've been executing people left and right in various other cities. And, you know, so, you know, maybe they're going to behave a little bit until these folks are gone, but afterwards they'll start being worse again. I don't know. We shall see. I've also seen people doing the analysis that says, look, they've recognized a lot of the problems that the Taliban had the first time around where they had zero international recognition, they couldn't get access to money, the people were poor, and, and now we're in a different world where everybody, you know, the people have internet access, and they have this, and they have that, and, you know, the it, it, comparatively to lots of places in the world, Afghanistan's still not all that well off, but they're better than they were, you know? And when you talk, and when you talk about were there any benefits at all to the American presence over the last uh, couple decades? They they clearly didn't accomplish any of their actual objectives, but as a perhaps unintentional side effect, yeah, they actually did help some of the people, you know, get education that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise, had economic opportunities they wouldn't have otherwise. And so maybe the Taliban is coming in and saying, we want to keep some of that like they don't want to keep all of it they obviously are very conservative religiously for the most part i mean that's the whole point of the organization um so we'll see i i you know i i've for the most part i've seen lots of scorn on people who seem like they're believing the taliban um and so all i can say is I hope they really have turned over a new leaf and are a little bit better than they were last time. I don't expect them to like embrace Western values and be all modern and progressive or anything like that, but maybe they'll So be you don't think that you don't think there's going to be uh 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 a trans bar in downtown couple like I heard somebody on TV calling them calling it the woke Taliban. Ah. And, and, and saying, you know, ba basically as partially making fun of the idea saying, I don't, we don't really believe this. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, cross your fingers, hope they're better, but I don't have a lot of confidence in that either. I feel like, 
you probably do have a situation where they'll be worse once the international attention turns elsewhere. Um, I mean, even things like they've said out loud, we're going to expect everybody to come back to work, including the women, whereas one of the things they were known for before was women were not allowed to work or even come out of the house except accompanied by a man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then you heard stories the same day of there was a, a, a female news anchor that tried to come into work and was greeted by the Taliban at the door saying, no, the administration has changed. Go home. You know, so we'll see. But the smart thing to do, if the Taliban were trying to actually maximize the outcome here, they would write out, say, anybody who wants to leave, who has a place to go, no objection on our part. You know, you can go wherever and we're not going to interfere. And then they would make sure they're, they're on the ground. People actually didn't interfere. Uh, probably by like backing away from the airport and not having a tight cordon on it at all. Um, and just say, if you want to go, you go. Now they have said in this press conference and other things, they've said, you know, we are not going to take revenge on the people who opposed us. We are, you know, we're not, you know, nobody needs, they've said over and over again, nobody needs to be afraid of us. And, but you've mentioned about all these executions and other stuff and whatever, but at the same time, I've seen that. I, I also have seen that in Kabul, a lot of things have been starting to return to normalcy yeah. to a certain degree. So so you have that uh, on the other side as well. Um, I, I Look, uh, right now, um, you have a situation that uh, is stabilizing to a certain extent. Um, evacuations are happening. Um and, you know, they were saying why they, they had stopped, and it was because they were processing people. I believe that what I understand right now is they're being flown to Qatar. They did like an eight-hour pause or something like that. Yeah, because they just had so many people. They're flying them to Qatar, uh, and then from Qatar, then they And Qatar was like, we're full. Uh, Qatar, well, well, it was actually the, uh, what I understood, it was the, the actual uh, U.S. Uh, military that said that, look, we, we, we can't fit more people here. At this moment, uh, it's just they had to pause it. I mean, they just they need to figure out what whoever they were getting. The, the military has said repeatedly that part of what they're trying to do right now is figure out where to take these people. Correct. That have, exactly that have room for them, have the capacity to handle that number of people, and presumably where they can either have or can readily get uh, additional facilities for processing and figuring out where to send these people permanently. Like some of them will have visas to come to the U.S. Some of them will get relocated in other countries. Uh, but one way or another, I mean, basically you have to set up a refugee camp and you have to set up uh, methods to figure out what to do with those people medium to long term. Uh, be and, you know, some of these, you know, some of these people may get stuck in these places for extended lengths of time. Uh, you know, you've, you know, from the Syria conflict, there, there's still like tons of people just stuck in refugee camps in Turkey, for instance. Um, but you, you want to figure out, well, what are you going to do? Who's going where? How do we do this? And so they're, 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 when these evacuation flights are happening, they're happening to, they're going to nearby countries. They're not like, it, it's not like these people are taking off from, uh, Kabul on a direct flight to Cleveland, you know? I, I mean, I, I would like to send them to wherever Steve Miller is. 
<laughs> you know, and, and can we just can we just like find that if, if there's some land around like his house, we just like you know send him there first, uh, just to annoy him. I, as a, you know, that's. Well, I know I mentioned that Steve Miller and others during the Trump administration were, you know, resistant to relocating any of these people. But again, I I, I, I compliment you, Yvonne, for directly pinning what would happen. There is now a significant contingent of MAGA world whose response to all this is we should not be letting any of these people in. It's part of the poisoning of America right. and trying to change the complexion of America. And I use those words right. intentionally, you know, yes. and now it's not all of them. Like e- even Donald Trump himself has said some things about how we need to bring all these people in and we owe the, to them. Right. But, you know, but MAGA world a as big, a whole. Big, uh, a lot of them believe in this replacement theory. Yep. The words is bringing all these people just to replace their, the whites. And then, you know, we're bringing them in and, you know, apparently that the illegals, well, these are all, these would be legal, obviously. So yeah. they would get, uh, you know, but they assistance don't, they don't really things. care about legal versus illegal. That's Not never been shit. the issue. <laughs> you know, no, no, but they don't care. I heard someone point out that many immigrant groups from sort of conservative-leaning Muslim countries like this, when when they come to America and when they become citizens, a lot of them are Republicans. Maybe even a majority of them are Republicans because fundamentally there's some conservative social values there that they resonate with the Republicans. So it's, yes, okay, they're, they're not white Christians, but... It's not like you're—Joe Biden is not sitting there saying, hey, let's bring in 100,000 Afghans, and they're all going to vote for me next time. No, not even close. I mean, it's like the same thing like with what's happening with, like, Venezuelans, a good chunk of them getting temporary protected status, for example, that that Trump didn't even give them. Yeah. A lot of them voted for Trump. And first of all, of course, you know, it takes a long time to get citizenship, even if you're brought in. So they're not going to be voting for a while. But again, it's not a default that these people are going to be Democrats. No, no. no. You know, some some of them may be, but you know, it's it's not sort of an automatic thing. And but it is a, I guess it is a default though, that they're not going to be like white evangelical Christians. Uh, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm crossing my fingers that this doesn't end up as bad as people feared and that maybe Taliban 2.0 is better than Taliban 1.0. I don't expect it to be good, but maybe we don't have a situation with massive bloodshed in the streets and you know complete elimination of women's rights and all this kind of stuff. And who knows? But I I do I I feel like that's the that's the hopeful cross your fingers scenario that you don't really expect and it's probably more likely that the people who are saying basically like look the Taliban are being on their best behavior as long as there's still all kinds of western reporters in the country and the international attention is entirely on them and as soon as the focus turns away 
and everybody's thinking about something else and they aren't focused and they're not thinking about Afghanistan anymore, that that's when their true colors will will come out and we just won't the world won't be paying attention anymore and then they'll start cracking down. Right. I guess we'll see how it plays out. But yep. um but yeah, I still feel I still feel incredibly bad for people who are stuck in that I I've used up my time. Uh I Whoa! Yeah, I I had the timer on 30 minutes. Um I still feel incredibly bad for the people who are stuck in this kind of situation and cuz it no, it's does It's an absolutely the- terrible situation for, for for them. I mean, I, I you know, I really feel for them. I mean, I I I honestly, you know, the, this whole thing happening my like i said i was one that and i was on the record the show last week not expecting this to collapse so quickly and and i wasn't the only one i mean yeah I mean, joe biden thought the same team or obviously a number of people with him that made a decision there were other people that disagreed some people thought they, they that it would fall but but there was disagreement on that uh, obviously you know uh that exactly people felt it would collapse but not when and that the situation would turn into this so quickly and of course, after the fact, you can go back and always make up scenarios where you could have done it better. You could have prepared more because a lot of these things are from, you know, would have been smoother with preparation. But again, I understand right. where Biden is coming from saying we couldn't go all in on preparing for an evacuation because that would have made things even worse sooner. Right. And I understand this is, and, and one of the things, like, I, I don't think Joe Biden sort of, Angry voice is his best. I turned. I, <laughs> I I accidentally turned it back up to give me like two more minutes or something. Anyway, I don't think when Joe Biden looks really angry and defensive, and he has in some of the things he said over the last week, I don't think that's his best look. But at the same time, I I understand it. And I feel like this is one of those situations that was kind of a no-win scenario. No matter what you did, things would be bad. It's just you're picking which bad outcome you want, and you're gambling a bit on a whole bunch of unknowns that you don't know. And the one thing I'll say is, I mean, he made the call, and he's sticking with it, and he did say the buck stops here. Now, right before he said the buck stops here, he sort of listed a bunch of other people who had some portion of the blame. Okay, fine. But, you know, in the end, he made he made a really hard decision where there might not be any good answer. And he's sticking with it and we we now we're going to deal with the consequences. And I think there was one thing also that I, I got to say that Biden said that that I found uh uh very uh uh poignant, which was, you know what? This needed a resolution. I did not want to pass this on to the next president again. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's passed, you know, Bush, Obama, Trump. Yeah, I mean, that's four presidents right now with this. It's a long time. I mean, 20 years is a long time. It's a long time. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. So, okay. That's it for Afghanistan for now. We will be back to talk pandemic back after this. No, no, it's not the beginning of the show again. 
we're just taking a little time to credit the artist responsible for the music we use at the beginning and end of the show. What you are listening to right now is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. The music we close our show with is Celestial Soda Pop. Both of these songs are from Deep Breakfast. Now Platinum, Deep Breakfast was the first independently released album ever to be certified gold by the RIAA. Ray Lynch's other albums are The Sky of Mind. No Blue Thing. Nothing Above My Shoulders But The Evening. And the best of Ray Lynch. You can check out Ray Lynch or buy his music at raylynch.com, iTunes, Amazon, or anywhere you usually find music. Okay, we are back. It is time to talk COVID and pandemic and all that kind of stuff. As usual, I will start with a few stats. Uh, Worldwide daily deaths... The latest peak of deaths, we seem to be on the downside again. Uh, it, it, it was going up. It leveled off. It's now going down ever so slightly. Cross your fingers. That trend continues. We shall see. Um, worldwide cases, uh, also same thing. Seems to be... It, it, cases actually hasn't quite started to go down yet, but is clearly leveling off. Um, in the U.S., um, daily deaths is not leveling off yet. It's still increasing, uh, and it's uh, you know the the seven day average is now eight hundred and six, and uh, with a couple days peaked up over a thousand for the first time in many months. But the the seven day average is eight oh six daily deaths, uh, which you know is. Back to where we were in, uh, what was it? Um, about the beginning of April. So we're back to where we were in about the beginning of April and still nowhere near like the January peaks. Um, but it is going up. It is going up steadily. Um, cases, uh, cases though have started to slow their increase. They ha- they haven't leveled off yet. They're not going down, but cases have started to level off. So cross your fingers that this Delta wave is nearing its top uh, in the U.S. Now, we'll say one thing. I mean, but, you know, so the nation may not be at it, but look, Florida yeah. is at an all-time high of everything. Related to COVID at this point. Yeah. 
you you right now florida is doing in, in terms of overall numbers is doing worse than anywhere else in the country i believe um and so yeah i'm i'm just pulling up the graphs for florida right now uh cases are well above the peak from january uh deaths are not deaths are not but but yeah. they're getting there yeah, the, the chart I'm looking at actually shows a decline again in the last little bit, but I don't trust the last little bit because of Florida's little thing where they started reporting weekly instead of daily and right. all that nonsense. So deaths are near their peak here. Okay, you know cases are above their their peak. I mean, it's not. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, it's it, it's bad and and look, you you heard me groan about a story that came through. Look, I, I go here. This is the story. Orlando urges residents to conserve water because of surge in COVID hospitalizations. Liquid oxygen used in hospitals and water treatment is in short supply as more critically ill patients need respiratory therapy. Apparently, Orlando officials called on residents on Friday to stop watering their lawns, washing their cars for the next two weeks so that supplies of liquid oxygen used in water treatment can be preserved for hospitals grappling with a surge of COVID patients. Yeah. Now, no hospital has gone short. Okay? Let's be clear about this. It's not that they've gotten to that point. The hospital has not had oxygen or something. But supplies are tight. Okay, and they're concerned, and they're what they said is that they're trying, you know, uh, that if we take some action right now, uh, then there it won't be an issue. So, but th- this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about where we're at right now, uh, in Florida. Um, and and again, the counties are very different from each other and as we've talked about before the counties with the lower vaccination rates are the oh. ones that are doing really badly the ones They're with the better hammered. vaccination rates are doing better not necessarily better. great but better um yeah well the the one thing that you see and i had actually pulled up some charts about this earlier in the week is that what you saw with like so Miami has a lot of cases and they're 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 like you know they're they're very high but the hospitalization rates and other things because Miami data is so highly vaccinated are a lot lower right because okay? you you may have so, a huge outbreak of cases but most of them are mild illnesses that don't even require you to go to yeah. the hospital and, and like ICU capacity in Miami because you know, one thing about South Florida hospital capacity is that I think when we're overbuilt in hospitals and uh, compared to other places for multiple reasons. One is is that we actually attract a lot of medical tourism. Plastic okay? surgery. Not just plastic surgery, but a lot of other treatments, cancer treatments. Uh, I thought you'd mentioned that before. Cancer treatment. But but yes, plastic surgery being one, but but cancer treatments, other things. People from Latin America and other countries like to come to Miami to get treatment here. So there, there so there is capacity that is built that is done for you know, for a medical tourism industry itself. That that, that so there is that access. Also because we have, uh, you know, because historically we've had a lot of older people move here to retire. Right. We also had a lot more ICU capacity and th- that kind compared to like places like I've seen other parts of the state. Um, 
it, it's just I, I looked at the charts and you could see it's like, look, we, we have like where I live, three ICU centers and they're at eh, even though we've had this big surge, but Palm Beach County hospitalizations are still like a lot lower than the rest of the state. They're like 50% below the average of the state and the ICU capacity is at 70%. But you go to a place like Duval County around Jacksonville, which that's where uh, Trump was going to move his convention because they were going to let him go crazy. Mm. Hospitals are at two, three hundred percent of capacity in their ICU. That means that basically whatever they had originally has been used up and they basically had to take over other areas of the hospital to use as ICU uh, uh, capacity. Right. And, and, and I mean, you looked at Orlando specifically, and I saw that chart. Every single hospital in Orlando was at 100% of ICU capacity pegged. So when I saw that, it doesn't surprise me because I saw that that was the case. All of them. I was like, shit. Not one. At, uh, you know, below, I think there was one maybe at 90 some other percent. Every other one was at 100% or higher. Every single one. Yeah. And this is, of course, one of the the worries about death spikes and one of the reasons people always talked about excess deaths, not just COVID, not just COVID deaths, is when you do get to the point where you are stressing hospital capacity, people who have other conditions can't get treated properly either. Well, look, that happened to me this week. Look, I went to the damn ER. Now, this ER, by the way. I actually, I don't think, well, let me take that back. That had nothing to do with that. That <laughs> ER was not a capacity. They were just incompetent, okay? Uh, okay. But so, they basically so made leave me that. wait, and there was nobody, because there was nobody waiting to get attended. They made me wait an hour and a half. There was nobody there! I was the only patient! Well, I, I will mention, one of my Twitter followers, uh, who I believe also occasionally listens to this show. So if you're out there, hi. I won't mention your name because I don't know if you want this all. Code? Do we have a code? Um, do I have a code? Hold on. Nickname? Okay, I, I will call this person SW. So SW, if you're out there, if, if you're out there, SW, you know who you are. Stephen Wright, the comedian. Oh, okay. Yes, exactly. Anyway, this is a listener of ours from Texas. Okay. Um, a, a few weeks back, her husband had a medical condition and had to be seen. Okay. Uh, and it was, you know, a very serious condition. Uh, and they had to wait something like six hours to be seen. Jesus. And then they kept being released from the hospital because they needed space for COVID. Space. Uh, and then had to go back to the hospital because he wasn't really stable yet. Okay. Um, and this repeated a couple of times. Um, and so, yeah, we're seeing this in real life. Yours may have not been that, but there are real. No, that, mine was, mine was definitely not that there, there were, there were just incompetent, but, but yes, but I can see how that happens. If you're at a hundred plus percent capacity, 200 plus percent capacity, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? If somebody comes in and you triage it and you say, well, this ain't critical or this guy will live. Right. We got to just whatever. Just, you know, suck it up. Yeah. And, and part of those calls, by the way, almost have to be as well. You know, if 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 you're elderly and you have other medical conditions and blah, 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 they will prioritize, you know, 
the 15 year old over you. Right. You know, and if, if your conditions are equal, right. Um, so yeah, there is this sort of rationing going on. There are cases where people are being shipped many, many hours away from their hometown to get to the closest hospital. Uh, so these things are happening. It's not universal. Like this is, you know, this whole setup, if you look at the maps, this is really concentrated very specifically in certain geographic areas, mostly in the South. Um, and those are the areas that are in real trouble right now. Um, but it's, it, it, it's, it's, a it's bad in, in those places. And the rest of the country is not necessarily doing great either. I mean, the, I've looked at the situations here where we are in Snohomish County, Washington. Um, we are oh so much worse than we were a month and a half ago, right? Um, and deaths are increasing a little bit, but cases are way through the roof. Hospitalization is way more than it was. ICU capacity here, I believe I saw in our county, is at like 90% or something. So we're not at 100 yet. And and people have pointed out, by the way, that you know you should always put the baseline, like most places, like try to position themselves for like 70% occupancy. They don't want to have an ICU empty because otherwise it's sort of a waste of resources and stuff. Right. They want to like pick a, pick a capacity where you don't have extra beds, but you have enough for when you need it and a little bit of surge capacity. So it's not like the right, right. number here is zero, you know? Right. Um, so right. apparently usually around 70% is normal occupancy, but you do start getting worried when you're above 90, Right. Right. When you can count the number of beds left in one hand, you're like, okay, if if oh, we have shit. a bus accident, we're screwed, you know? Right, 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 right. Well, I, I, to to mention also, you mentioned him not getting care. I'll, I'll talk about somebody who did get COVID. Look, we keep talking about children and the Delta variant. So um, uh, a friend of my, my wife's, one of her best friends from Colombia, uh, her niece, 10 years old, got COVID. Um, about a month ago, asymptomatic. So it, so it was a month later, she started developing something that they called, uh, SIMP, which is, a uh, uh, it's a inflammatory multi-system inflammatory syndrome Okay, that's associated with COVID. Then all of a sudden, all her damn, uh, organs started shutting down. Mm. Okay. Um, she had to be airlifted out of Bogota to another city uh, uh, in Colombia, Barranquilla, which is on the coast, which apparently they had set up at the equipment that she needed. I think she needed to be intubated and they were having to be intubated. They also needed to give her this oxygen machine as well. She's stable and she's improving right now. But it I mean, it looked like she was going to die earlier this week. She's 10 years old. Yeah. And, Do, and that's the scary part. Doing about better this. now. Yes, she is. She's stable. She's better. It looks like um, I was reading that uh, it, with treatment, with the right treatment, which which the reason why they airlifted her to to this other facility is because they are set up to give the right treatment. Apparently, they respond very well. Thank God. And apparently she is. But if they can't get the treatment, then they're done. Yeah. So, and so, and so you mentioned kids. So that brings us to schools. Um, 
And so I know you talked a little bit about schools and in your area, how, Fuck. you know, almost everybody's wearing masks, et cetera. Um, well, well, let me, well, let me change this. To, to, okay. To this. Look, this, this, this Wednesday, our school board basically told the governor that he can go fuck themselves and that masks will be mandatory. So they were, they, they said that you needed, that you needed to come to school with masks. But if your parent sent the note saying that you didn't, want to use one then it could be waived they changed that this last Wednesday saying look it's mandatory for everybody all those notes that were sent will be invalidated effective monday either you come to school with a mask or you can't come to school period um the governor said he will retaliate against our school board uh and against the Broward school board and against the Hillsboro and against uh the Miami Dade and Alachua. You're talking about <laughs> I'm gonna say that you, you add up those school boards, it's like a third of the Florida population. Right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh but you know, uh basically but the retaliation right now that he has announced is completely toothless. Uh, he he realized that he wanted to take away the salary of the of the school board and the um, and the 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 what you call it the superintendent of schools. But he realized that he can't do that. So all he could do is like maybe like deduct from their overall budget allocation from the state that part that corresponds to their salaries, which we're talking about a billion dollar budget. It's just. It's it's peanuts. It's meaningless. It's nothing. So, but he still does this shit in the in the face of the worst COVID surge that we've had. In the face of, I just saw pictures that he's going around and setting up these clinics to hand out mono, monoclonal treatments. Right, okay, right. Uh, uh, to people, there are people like lying on the floor, literally like 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 just just beaten by COVID, like dragging themselves to get treated. At these clinics, okay, that he set up, where ICU capacity is like, you know, just ripping apart. Where he just had like fucking Orlando, you know, you know, tell people to stop watering their lawns or whatever to make sure we got enough oxygen for people. This fucker is arguing with people about mask mandates because he's an asshole. By the way, on the monoclonal antibodies thing, it's actually probably a good thing that those are expanding, but. Two things. One, that is a very specific treatment that works if you are COVID positive, but don't yet have significant symptoms. It helps cut you off from getting them in the first place. If you're all well, I've been seeing that they've been giving them to people with symptoms. And as a matter of fact, they actually interviewed a number of people that had symptoms and received it that felt better. No, no, it, it helps later on in the progression as well, but it's maximally effective if you get it early okay yeah um and so it is good like if you've already got covid but but why the hell does it is this son of a bitch just for some reason pushing that fucking drug instead of working also on preventing this fucker i mean why is he so stupid yeah i want to be clear like it's good to have this treatment and this treatment is a very good treatment it should be out there it should be available However, it's still better to do prevention up front than treatment later. Right. You know, so you want to do both. You don't want to say, forget all the prevention stuff. We'll only deal with treatment after the fact. And 
part of the reason is like we keep getting more and more information about these long-term side of not side effects these long-term effects well like i just like i just talked about the like at poor emma for god's sakes yeah i mean she probably got monoclonal antibodies she probably wouldn't have been in this situation uh, maybe not uh but like you know we we have people talking about how they have they got this thing last year at the beginning of 2020 and they're still not feeling good Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there are those. Absolutely. You know, so no doubt about it. So, yeah, you want to do the prevention side as much as possible. Um, But I want to talk about schools a little bit more um, because, you know, where are where we are, we supposedly have everything good for going for us. Right. We have the mask mandates. We have the, the governor just approved a requirement for all school staff having to be immunized. So. Awesome. Two thumbs up on those two things. Um, But my wife, Brandy, started looking into the specific other COVID prevention information um, for our school district. And it's not all that reassuring. Uh, As a first example, last week, I mentioned how the more and more evidence accumulating that for indoor spaces, the single most important thing is ventilation, ventilation, ventilation. Right. So you guys have air conditioning in those schools. Uh, You know, I don't even know. Okay. But like the, the part, the part on this county website or not the county website, the part on the school district website about ventilation says we cleaned the ducts. Oh, well, that's good. (laughs) God. I'm like, you goddamn should be doing that anyway. Well, 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 let me, let me. Actually, here, well, wait, 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 no, 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 that's actually not even correct. Look, positive air pressure air conditioning systems, Yes, for the most part, do not need, need that. duct cleaning. Yeah. Duct cleaning is a racket, okay, for the most part. <laughs> anyway. It's only for very, so, so, so that doesn't, so that's just ridiculous that they put that there if they would have said we installed hepa filters we installed uv uv filters exactly this is what i want to hear right what i want to hear is yes we have hepa filtering we've increased the air circulation we'll make sure the windows are open as right as long as we can i want to hear all of this stuff about how they have increased the safety in terms of ventilation. There was nothing about that. That's like, we've cleaned our system. I'm glad you cleaned your system, I guess, but that's not what I want to freaking hear. And then we have a mask mandate, but then there's the question of, of, you know, well, what are the kids going to do when they eat? Are they going to eat at the cafeteria? And the answer is yes, they're going to eat at the cafeteria. And of course they can't wear their masks while they're eating. Oh, and how about social distancing in the cafeteria then? Well, there is none. We'll try to have a three foot distance if we can, if we can manage it. I think they should still have lunch in the fucking classrooms. You know, well, look, and and social distancing in general, they're like, we will try our best to do the three foot. Not even they will maintain the three foot. And no one's even trying for six feet. Um, It's like, we'll try for three. We'll do the best we can. So it's like, okay, you've got the mask mandate. But if you're going to have all the freaking kids in the cafeteria crammed up together eating without their masks, 
then have you just undone most of the benefit from them having the damn masks in the first place? Well, no, but you certainly, uh, I mean, it's certainly a hole in there. That's for sure. Yes. I mean, look, I, I, I don't know about most of, I don't want to quantify that, but you, you've basically put them for an hour and a day, an hour a day in the worst scenario they could be in. Right. It's, there is a risk. Yeah. yeah, It's a risk situation that it's added to it. Definitely for sure. And and so all of this stuff is not making us super comfortable, especially with numbers continue to go up. And again, I'll put the caveat. I know the stats that say an unvaccinated kid still has less risk, still has less risk than a vaccinated adult. But at the same time, you're, you hear more and more of these stories about kids having really bad times, including the one you just said, and you want to be freaking careful. One, not our school district, but like the next school district over has actually just announced, uh, like within the last 24 hours that they're going to have the option for remote available again for people who want it, um, you know, for the beginning of the school year, at least. And I, I'll be honest, I, I mean, I've said before, like, you know, Alex last year at the, when the, when the whole remote stuff started, he was really good with it for a while. But by the time we got to the end of the last school year, he was having none of that. It was not working at all. He was not cooperating. He was not doing anything. He certainly wasn't learning anything out of that process. So it was a complete waste being at home. Um, but at the same time, I think right now with things growing every week um we would be more comfortable if we had a remote start option that said like hey for the first month he can be at home and then we'll you know especially like we're right at the edge right he's gonna he's gonna turn 12 next month and he'll be fully vaccinated by the middle of october so we're kind of like can we keep him home until he's fully vaccinated and then send him in in person (laughs) you know and and it emphasizes again like you know, the fact that we're still not approved for under 12 is incredibly frustrating. I know. And I know it takes time to do the damn studies and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I keep thinking, like, could they have just done, structured the tests they did at the beginning of this whole damn thing so they were all ages to begin with? You know? I mean, I know they were concentrating on older people first and adults and blah, blah, blah. And it's probably fairly standard practice to do it in these age ranges. But it feels like you could have potentially structured it so you could get good information about younger people right up front. I don't know. Maybe not. But it's incredibly frustrating one way or another because it's like. Well, well, here's one thing I found out that they, they did this thing where uh, in it over here, you talked about the option of going virtual or not. Well, what they made over here, there is a virtual option, but you have to either choose. They're not going to do that. The, the, the physical school will also offer virtual. Yeah, there's a there's a Palm Beach virtual school. If you want to sign up. It's OK. So th- th- you'd have that, too. Yeah, we have that too. Like we we looked at we we looked at the option. We could enroll him in virtual school, but it would be a full year commitment. Correct. It's a full year commitment. Yes. We don't want him to be in virtual school for a freaking year. We want him to be in virtual school for a month and then go back to normal school, you know? Um and that that's what the um the the next to ours just opened up is saying, look, we know things are bad right now. If you're worried about that, we will offer a virtual start with the assumption that you'll go back to normal later. 
Um, okay. And, and you know, I don't want to be virtual. I want to feel comfortable sending him to school and going back to sort of normal. He's starting sixth grade. It's important to be like in person. It's middle school. It's the beginning of that. I want to do that. And like I said, virtual school ended up being completely useless by the end of last school year for him. But at the same time, I I look at this and say, look, if I felt really super confident about the protections that the school had in place, they had great ventilation, uh, masks completely mandatory all the time, social distancing, uh, something set up so that you could eat, maybe eat outside, you know, right. that would make me comfortable, you know, whatever. If you had like those kinds of things set up and they were really convincing me that all of the right precautions were in place, then I'd feel better. But I like read some of the stuff and I'm like, this is kind of half-ass. Yeah, you're doing some stuff, but you're not doing all the stuff you should be doing. Yeah. And so it makes me uncomfortable. And we'll see. We'll see. We got, I, we still have a few weeks here before school starts. So things may change around and maybe our school district will end up offering that sort of, you know, stay home for a little bit and then come in once it gets better kind of thing. But also, you know, and, and, you know, your school is being comparatively safe compared to these ones you keep hearing about in Mississippi and Texas and Georgia and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, geez. You know, so, Christ, like, yeah. no, no. So yeah, I'm not but... hearing you say, like, we got a report from the school district that there are thousands of cases and no, we have to we, start. We got, there has been one COVID case in the school. There's a dashboard. Yeah. Uh, that, that they, they, they keep, and they, they notified us that there was one COVID case at the school, not in my son's classroom. Um, and so, uh, you know, they, they go and they, 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 my understanding is what they do is they figure out where he was, who he was yep. in contact with, who he has sat with, and those people are put in quarantine like right now. But it's been one case uh, at the school right now. So, yeah. And, 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 and you know, that makes me feel better because, you know, your school has a sort of probably about the same kind of precautions that my, that my son's yeah. school would have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and compared to like, you know, a couple, counties north of you uh in where i used to live in brevard county oh jesus they're shutting things down left and right because so many people are in quarantine and because they had no mask rule and no none of this stuff and uh and it's just completely out of control no i i look the my, my thing I, I got a little bit they, I, i'm glad they they put a spine because i think i said this on the show when i first heard about the governor uh, saying this thing that he threatened the counties about the mass mandates. I told him, oh, tell him to go fuck himself. Just sue. You know, let t- tell him to sue us. Fuck him. And at first they didn't do that. And then they they thought about it for a few days and saw what was happening. And then they realized, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, tell him to sue us. Fuck it. Whatever. You know, and they did, which was the right move. And basically what has come out is that his threat was toothless. And basically that he had no no real way of enforcing it. So. Yeah. Whatever. And I heard that in Texas, actually, that uh, a number of uh, uh, school boards that also uh, had been pushing for that. Apparently, a Texas Supreme Court let it stand that they could that that uh, that the governor couldn't the rule that he couldn't force them not to. Uh, he couldn't stop them from from enforcing their mass mandates. Hey, there's our 30 minutes again. Um, there's our 30 minutes again. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and and there was also another positive thing, which was I, I think we didn't mention the last two weeks that it it got brought to the Supreme Court. Ah, right. 
a, a, a challenge to the Indiana University rule mandating vaccinations for all students, okay, for COVID. And that it, 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 they try to challenge it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court basically say, bye, no, we're not even, you know, and it was Amy Coney, Coney Barrett that, that threw it back. Yeah. So that shows you that, you know, that they're fucked. They, they've got no leg to stand on. And this whole thing about the legal challenge to this is so ridiculous because I don't see how any of them think they can win this. When I just sent the goddamn vaccination forms that the state requires for other fucking vaccinations yeah i mean my my son because of covid is actually slightly behind on his required vaccination so before we send him to school if we send him in person to well, regardless we, we have to we have to catch him up right so he's gonna have to go in and get a whole bunch of other shots before he can start school anyway so damn it they should all be getting also their damn covid shots eligible ones yeah, like the, the 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 fact that it's yes, yes, absolutely, um, and I know they haven't done the official authorization as opposed to the emergency use yet, and they better they they should be on that by the way that should they should get that done, but yeah, like come on, just do it, and and you mentioned the 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 Supreme Court case, um, and just generally employers and schools, oh, and employers as well, you, you know, yeah. Uh, this may be where we have to go because so many of, because you've got so much of this resistance and you're, yeah, yes, you've still got a chunk of people who just haven't gotten around to it yet or whatever, but we've got probably 25% of the population who's just like, I don't want to do it. No matter what, I don't want to do it. I'm busy. I, you know, it's it's evil. It's a government plot, whatever. But uh, dude, there was this guy. The uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, that uh, Ed, our listener, uh, cited that died of COVID. Uh, Stutter, whatever his fucking name was. The guy was ranting against the mandate of it up until the moment he died. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, if you really get the employers and the major corporations on board to say, look. You just cannot be here unless you're vaccinated. I mean, at least the employees, you know, I can see why they're, right. you know, hope, you know, I'd like it to be customers too, but like at least the employees, if you get all the major employers saying that, then you're going to produce a significant amount of pressure on people to just get it done. Look, I heard that the, the Hard Rock, uh, 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 the Hard Rock Live has had certain events uh, here the last couple of months. I heard that they're requiring people to show proof of vaccination to go into the concerts. Yeah, otherwise you you can't go. Period. Simple as that. You know, and, and it's like it's like persuasion and education and asking nicely haven't worked. So okay, yeah, absolutely. Let's make it. Yeah, I'm I'm completely on board with vaccine passport kinds of things that say Listen, when I was waiting in the fucking ER, okay, the other day for these incompetent assholes over there at that stupid hospital that sucks, which I now I know why they get the shittiest ratings of any hospital around here, by the way. And I, I did you know, I saw that, that there was a thing that said, Oh, they're they're less they're less full, you should go there or whatever. Ridiculous fucking morons. Um, it, they had Tucker Carlson on. Mm. And Tucker Carlson, what he was going on, and I've heard other other people like repeating these talking points. He was blaming, number one, that the Democrats are being racist because black Americans are less vaccinated than, than, than the rest. And so therefore, vaccination policies are racist. Okay, number one. And so therefore, that the Democrats are being racist against African-Americans. And then he was calling this whole thing about uh, uh, 
mandating uh, vaccines and whatever. This medical tyranny. This is the shit. They had this in the fucking waiting room at the hospital. They're talking about medical tyranny. And, and by the way, by the way, it came out this week. Fox News has a vaccination mandate. <laughs> I mean, can you? I mean, that hypocrisy is beyond belief. Yeah. And, and again, like. And if, they are trotting this asshole out to say this. If, if enough employers start requiring it, then you at least get a little bit of additional upward pressure there. And, and the vaccination rate has increased. It's continued to increase. I think we, I, I heard that we passed a, a, a single day with over a million for the first time in a long time. Uh, so that that's, con- yes, it is pushing in the right direction again because people are scared because we're more of this pressure is coming on. Um, we need more of that, frankly. Like Canada announced you can't get on a plane in the country without a vaccination anymore. Um, you know, you know, let's do that kind of stuff, you know, I, everywhere. Like, and, and I, I know that people are like, well, it's my right to be unvaccinated. Sure. It's your right to be unvaccinated. Then stay the fuck home. You know, I, I don't care anymore. You know, unless you have a good medical reason. Uh, a friend of mine today who who is an anarchist, by the way, uh, mentioned today he called this he used the perfect word for this. Uh, I, I'm going to pull it up one second. Just give me one second he, to describe this attitude. Uh, it's it's um it's um it's um uh, it's um it's um am I am I stalling enough already? OK, here. Unfettered individualism. <laughs> okay, yes. I, I, I like that 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 term. Unfettered individualism, which means it's like, you know what, your individual rights can just be so individual that they can just walk all over everybody else around you. And that's just bullshit. That's no no. No. If you're sick and you're making me sick and you're making my child sick. That means that you're taking your individualism and you're fucking fucking o- o- over everybody around you. No. Life cannot be that way. If we want to have a planet. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're we're past our 30 minutes for this topic. Uh any closing thoughts, Yvonne? Uh well, I I shared a story uh from Sanjay Gupta on from CNN. Uh, on our Slack, and uh, people should look for it uh, that, that are listening. Uh, it, it's it was related to the fact that we have to live with the virus. Okay, um, it, it's called Doctor Sanjay Gupta and simple steps for coexisting with the coronavirus. And you know, he talked rationally about the reality that the virus is here with us, and that. People are so fatigued that you can't go to just simply being sheltered. But what steps should you take in terms of precautions, masks, you know, vaccines, you know, what what activities to do? But one thing that he said is that that the way that this is, that it's going to be it's going to be probably about five years until things are to we get to a point that we don't think about covid every day anymore. 
because it's going to be a combination of the vaccines of human immunity, you know, uh, uh, and, and, you know, he, he went and he, you, you know, he, he went, he, he put certain th- simple things, vaccinations, you know, keep, keep masks around like an umbrella, masks and ventil plus ventilation equals safer schools. You were talking about the ventilation part. Okay. Critical. Yep. Uh, and rapid testing and, you know, uh, assessing your exposure risks okay when you're doing certain things but you know he laid out a pretty good um framework for people to understand look this is what this is the situation we have we have to live with it it's going to be with us for a long time but we can take a lot of steps to be safer and mitigate this so yeah i think so that's my closing thought on this (sighs) yep but we have to deal with a lot of idiots yeah, and that that's the frustrating part. But the the same thing is, we know this has happened before, and it's going to happen again yeah. because it's human nature. And you you don't treat something serious with with this kind of disease. The fundamental psychological problem is people don't take it seriously until it directly affects them in an incredibly serious way like they see well, let's be clear i just i just quoted you a guy who fucking went and i know to the there's some got hooked up to the fucking ventilator yeah there's some people on either side there's some people who take it serious immediately the first time they hear about it there's some people who never take it seriously till the moment they die but there's a bulk of people in the middle who like you know just the natural psychological state is you only really start saying i have to change my life to react to this until you practically see people dropping dead around you (laughs) and by that point it's too late and then it takes a while to react to that and then it starts getting better and then people are like oh i don't have to worry anymore and they let up way earlier than they should and then so you get this roller coaster of waves and it's like epidemiologists study this and expect it because that's how these things always fucking play out. Gene, Dr. Fauci told us about these fucking waves last February, you know, the first time, and nobody wanted to fucking believe them. Yep. Okay, we're done. All right, we're done. (laughs) Uh, So, the usual stuff at the end of the show, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you know, This talking thing is hard, 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 hard. Um, Anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, the first thing is Facebook, facebook.com slash curmudgeons corner. Leave us a note there, share with your friends, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, Or you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Abelsme, A-B-U-L-S-M-E. Yvonne is at I-M-B-O, I-M-B-O-U. If you want to email us, it's feedback at curmudgeons-corner.com. And, uh, yeah, those are the main ways. If you really like the show, you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash curmudgeons corner and, uh, give us a little, uh, a little monthly infusion of cash. We love that kind of stuff. Cause you know, it's money and that's cool. Um, but at various levels on the, on the Patreon, you can get us mentioning you on the show, a postcard, a mug, you know, uh, ringing a bell, all kinds of different stuff, you know, fun, exciting, whatever. But most importantly, at $2 a month or more, or 
if you get in contact with us directly in the ways I just mentioned and just chat with us and interact with us, then we will happily invite you to our Curmudgeon's Corner Slack, which is a place where Yvonne and I and several of our listeners are exchanging links and talking about the news and other things that come up. So, Yvonne, as we usually do, what are some things that we talked about this week on the Curmudgeon's Corner Slack that we have not mentioned on the show? Well, we talked about the year sex work came home. Yes. That was one story that we shared about more of us are making and watching sexual performances online now and fewer of us are paying. And we shared this in in part because of this whole thing about OnlyFans that came out, which I don't know. I'm still not sure. Uh, You know, it it sounded like OnlyFans decided to kill itself. It seems more like... Right now, it's uh, it's some kind of ruse for their bankers. I I don't know. They want a billion dollar payday. Who knows? Anyway, it's just ridiculous. So so that was that. So that was a story. Uh, we I we shared a story about a Washington man who drove his SUV into a river who was just trying to fill up his radiator. That's how you do it, right? Uh, no, no, uh, not normally, no. Please don't get any ideas, Sam. Thank you very much. Um, oh and no, no, also, not not a river. A river won't do. I no, have to drive it into the no. ocean. No, 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 do not drive your vehicle into any body or water of water or pool. Okay. It has to be salt water, right? No, 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 no. That's that's that, that yes. Oh yeah, the salt water is really great for the car. Yes, absolutely, of course. Oh, okay. Excellent. You know, for corrosion protection. Yes, absolutely. Th- thank you for affirming that. I'll I'll take care of my car this weekend. Yeah, that's all perfect. Okay, no problem. Okay, I'll just turn off my phone this weekend. Uh, and then the the Musk announced he had some live yesterday. So so uh, there was a story. Oh, the robot. Yes, Musk uh, Musk announced the Tesla bot is coming. Okay, apparently that we're gonna get some kind of like a robot. Um, uh, I shared a story that I found uh, amazing. That you know, I, I all of a sudden I looked up at Bloomberg News and they're saying that Dick Johnson is going to be interviewed on TV, and I'm like, wait, what? Dick Johnson. There's a CEO. Yes, a CEO of Foot Locker is called Dick Johnson. Anyway, um, I, you know, I mean, I don't know. How did he get through high school? Um, if all other COVID symptoms don't persuade you, maybe stinking the high heaven after eating potatoes will, which apparently has been for some, some kind of a residual side effect. Nice. So as you can see, very, very thorough stuff. Also, we had poison control calls spike as people take livestock dewormer to treat COVID-19. Hey, why not take, why not take, you know, medication? Why, you know, approved, but made by a pharmacist. Why not go and get a vaccine from Pfizer, Moderna? No. Yes, livestock dewormer. Of course. That's the hidden solution. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, uh, you can't trust that vaccine because you don't know what's in it. Right. Okay, but you can trust this because they give it to livestock. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Um, yeah, uh, I, I also uh, linked a, a, a story that somebody identified uh, this guy who is one of the most, the most prolific neo-Nazi poster uh, but in the QAnon group, as some guy that lives basically about two miles from my house. Nice. And they, that they somehow, like, just tracked them down somehow. Uh, also, we, well, we didn't talk about this, that the suspect of the Capitol bomb uh, basically demanded, uh, let's see, 
In hours of live stream videos, Floyd Ray Roseberry demanded Democrats step down and complain about illegal illegal immigrants getting health insurance. He also apparently uh, he he also uh, echoed the big lie and demanded free health insurance for himself. Yeah, which yeah, exactly. Um, you know, um, and so all this kind of like very uh, you know, uh, you know, informative. And entertaining stuff is shared with the members of our Slack, which we have 18. Yeah. Most of yeah. them aren't there every day. But they... Right, yeah, but we, we got a good... But we got a, we got a bunch we, of some we, people we have just a, all some pop in and whatever. Yeah, we have you know, a core group a that's there every day. And then other people that just pop in every once in a while. And that's fine. Every once in a while, so like, whoa, oh, look, you know, he's here. You're like, you're going to have to, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it's good. Yeah, and to be clear, the guy that you were talking about is the guy who drove his truck in front of the Library of Congress and threatened to blow it up. Oh yes, that guy. Yes, yeah, that that asshole. Yes. Okay. Not the not the neo Nazi QAnon guy that's apparently cl- lives close to my house. That like I thought about honestly going over there and doing something, but then I thought better better of that. I found out where the house was. Yeah, not no need to go over there. You don't think I need to go over there? Just no. Okay. Okay, that's the end. So, hey, everybody, tell all your friends to listen to the show, too. They'll like it, right? They'll like it? All their friends will like it, right, Yvonne? Uh, probably not, but go oh, well. Tell them anyway. Just just make them listen to it. Just fucking, like, grab their phones and put it on their podcast. R- rate, follow. Not subscribe. Follow. But rate. Somebody rate the damn show. Put a review, something. Have, have you checked recently? I haven't. Uh, I, I, uh, now that you mention it, <laughs> I have listened to it listen, uh, recently from there, but I, I have not, uh, uh, so I'm going through it. Hold on. And I'm here. Hold on. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, no, two years no, ago. Nothing no. new. Nothing new. No, nothing So new. yeah, ra- rate the show, leave a review. We always like those. It's, it's you, they're often funny. Yes. You know, and it's okay. If it's a negative review, we can handle it. It's okay. You know, we understand the show is not for everybody. You know? But it's probably for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have made it to the end of a freaking two-hour show. Yes. Right? Right. Like, if, if you didn't like the show, you would have been out as soon as Yvonne started talking about his goddamn colonoscopy. Because, <laughs> like... Really? Did you want to hear that? Hey, white. Or mine? I talked about mine too. That's the way to attract listeners, Yvonne. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk for 15 minutes about our experiences with colonoscopies. Yay! All right, man. I mean, I think I I think I'm, I'm on to the secret formula here. I found a secret sauce. Exactly. Anyway, hey everybody, have a great week. Stay safe, all of that kind of stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Later, Yvonne. Good night. Go to sleep.